Hi, and welcome back to the Mob Mentality Show. I'm Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, ChatGPT or uh, Google Bard or Copilot, uh, mobbing with generative AI. So, uh, you know, Austin, uh, you know, I think you've been doing a little bit of this lately. So, you know, can you tell us about your experience? And then maybe we can just dive into some philosophy discussion afterward. Sounds great. Sounds great. And maybe we'll... Uh break this up into a couple episodes at least. So I think uh, my first experience was with uh, <clears throat> mobbing with uh, ChatGPT specifically. And uh, and so the uh, the way it came was, uh, you know, it's been a buzz, you know, on social media and the internet for a while. And I've kind of noticed it. I've noticed people posting jokes like, oh, they asked ChatGPT to generate a song about TDD or something like that. And then they'll post that on social media. And then what was interesting is the current mob I'm on, we're uh, doing a Greenfield new mobile application. And uh, someone on our mob was experimenting with ChatGPT over the weekend for code generation. And I started getting text messages on Saturday or Sunday. It was like, I think ChatGPT can write our app. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're working on. And so I was just like, okay, let's run the experiment. Let's run the experiment, you know? And so... uh, we got it up and running like chat GPT. And the way we started to talk about it was like, oh, we just added a fourth person to the mob, you know, like uh, to our mob of three, we added chat GPT. And <clears throat> what we did, so to speak, uh, while well, mob programming is we're like, okay, what happens if we let chat GPT navigate for a long stretch of time? Like just whatever it says, let's try. And uh, what we realized pretty quick was that uh, and I think you warned us warned us about this, Chris. Uh, you joined our mob for a little bit to talk to us about what we were doing, but uh, is that its knowledge was a little outdated uh, for the framework we're working on, and it was really good at solving one problem at a time. So if we gave it like, "Hey, make us you know a mobile app in this framework to satisfy this feature," it was pretty good. Um, uh, but if we gave it, hey, can you do make a mobile app that satisfies these four things? It started to like, you know, step on itself and give us code that wouldn't compile or it would, you know, it's like, oh, new up this class and then pass in this parameter. And there's like, there's no such parameter, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we learned, so like, you know, there's a lot of thoughts and a lot of different tangents we can go. But where I'm currently at is it's a phenomenal help to the mob as another like person, quote unquote, so to speak, um, for asking it, you know, some questions at a time, like, hey, our code is complaining about this linting error. How do we fix it? Or how do we do this in this framework? And it'll be really good at like taking your current context and adding one thing to it. But if you give it too much at once, it it starts to uh, lose its mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, what's been your experience, Chris? <laughs> uh, well, so I, I was actually just talking to David Bernstein uh, a little bit, and uh, he, he was talking about writing his book um, on chat GPT prompts. And he was saying that he was basically using an interrogation method. Uh, so basically, it, it's, you know, when it gives you the incorrect answer, then uh, you, you keep correcting it in the same stream of chats. Um, yeah. And uh, until you get uh, to something. So I, I thought that was an interesting idea. And, and I think we we kind of went back and forth a little bit and it kind of suggested this idea of Socratic questioning for uh, chat GBT. So like that wasn't that was one thing um, for those bigger 
items. It's like, oh, hey, that didn't work, but you know, could you make this part of it work, you know, now or something? Um, I also, uh, you know, so so maybe there's like some key terms that I think are important for people. Um, like one is uh, ChatGPT is trained off of a certain data set. Like you said, it's old knowledge. Um, so specifically right now, uh, the console says for me that it was off of 2021 uh, or data after 2021 is more sparse. Um, and and then I think another thing is, is uh, one other thing that I warned the team of, I think, uh, early on was hallucinations are a really big problem. And a hallucination uh, for a generative AI is um, for the AI to state something as fact, even though it doesn't know it, if it's true or not, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, it will, if it doesn't know today's API or if the API doesn't exist, it will hallucinate what that API will look like and give that to you. It'll, it'll, um, you know, it'll just pretend like it knows, uh, cause it's going to respond to you as if it knows. Um, and AI sometimes has confidence intervals and, and other things, but, um, you know, I think in general, uh, chat GPT, uh, you'll you'll get a lot of these hallucinations today, and they'll get better over time because these models get better and better as you go. Um, so I, I found that pretty interesting. Uh, one thing you know, I I, I do uh, uh, video game programming as a hobby, uh, kind of. And one thing I did try doing was writing unit tests and then having it write the code that will make the unit test pass. Um, and, uh, that was working fairly well. I, I would get, but often I would get something that didn't work or, um, I would get really bad code. And, and so that slowly led me to, to formulate the idea that it's like chat GPT right now, as it is today is like having a, um, a junior developer that is really overly confident. And so, um, and so it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's like your first day out of, out of, uh, college, go write our app for us. And they go off and like, yeah, I'll do it. And then they like, just write a whole bunch of stuff and then like, maybe not try it ever or something. <laughs> and so, um, and so the way, the way I've been describing it to people lately is like chat GPT is a junior developer, um, that is just good enough to take up all of your time with correcting problems that he produces. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that, that, that has been, uh, a little bit of a, a journey in my thinking. Um, but it's a whole lot better than when copilot first launched or, or like it had, they had like the, the beta, the invite only beta of copilot and everybody's like, wow, this is really awful. Um, and, uh, and I know copilot has also gotten better with the new models. Um, but yeah. I think we're, you know, one thing is like, there's a progression there, right? So like, uh, you know, with the, when I'm ready to abandon something, it's when you don't, you like stop seeing improvement or you start seeing regressions. Right. And that's when I'm like, oh, but right now you're seeing like leaps of acceptance. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's on its, you know, if it hasn't crossed the chasm already, the diffusion of innovation it, it is on its way to crossing the chasm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then GPT five will be another iteration. Uh, but, um, I think, you know, because of the way that general generative models work, there'll be research in new generative models, obviously, but, um, the way that they are right now, it is, it is very much like a, here's the entire context. And to the extent that you can process my entire context and give me an answer, um, 
then you know you you can work with that and so uh i think that the depth of the context is still a, a major limit limiting factor so i don't know those are those are a little bit of my ideas on on that yeah yeah and, and i think i would agree uh with your criticism of it when the problem is bigger than a bread box yeah. you know but if it's a fairly moderate problem it's almost like having a fourth mobber you know if you go back yeah. to our scenario of the, that sees different things than we do and yeah. i think if it's a moderate size problem and not too big its insights are something that the three of us didn't see you know yeah. uh and so for example um uh, we were, we were looking at a chunk of code for a while and it was, the compiler was complaining, but the compiler error wasn't great. And so we just fed it that chunk of code and we're like, this is the error we're getting. What is it? And it like spotted it immediately. And it was yeah. just like something really moderately off. Um, and, uh, there are other times where its insight was quite amazing. Like what it, what it found, you know, and, uh, and and then when it's a moderate size problem, we notice that the correcting helps. So it says like yeah. it gives us the thing, and then we give it back the error. And like it's like, oh, we tried what you said, and it didn't work. And here's the error it gave. It's pretty good at correcting itself. When it's the big problem that it can't solve, uh, the confidence, the hallucinations, those is hilarious. Yeah. It still responds back. We love the response certainly with an exclamation point. Yeah. And gives you, like <laughs> the next chunk of code. And when it's handling a problem too big for itself. It'll still, like you said, just be so confident, yeah. but so wrong, you know. <laughs> it's it's the most confident in the world junior developer with access to all of Stack Overflow, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I Googled this and this is what it is. So, you know, yeah. like, well, yeah, but architecturally speaking, that's not the best idea. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, you might get into a cycle of correcting constantly and that could take up a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. it's certainly like for sure it solves the clean slate, like the blank slate problem. Like if you're if you're staring at code and you're like, what should we do next to move this incrementally forward? Um, you know, just telling it like write a unit test to do this has been super cool. Um, and yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll even like you know so so in my game project I've been able to give it my test setup and just say write a test that will prove this. It'll write the test and then it's like okay you know, either I could have it try and uh, write me an algorithm or I can write an algorithm and just make the test succeed. So, um, you know, definitely like a blank slate and then going forward, uh, it helps tremendously, just like with, you know, writing an essay or uh, writing other things, you know, um, mm -hmm. just in general. Uh, yeah. Also, you know, like writing uh, elaborate documentation that people might be, you know, so you could say document this function um and yeah. it'll you know so if people are stuck in you know I, I know that we we try not to do a lot of whole commenting and things like that but if you're stuck in an environment where you have to do tons of commenting like one thing is you might write the algorithm first and then just have it document it uh, but that brings me to leakage so another big concern in generative ai is if you copy your production code into that ai it may become training data and there are claims right now uh out there of like Oh, models like ChatGPT and others that get updated more often are leaking prompts out to other, you know, people. Um, and whether that's true or not, I think is yet to be proven. But uh, you know, I, I the assertion I think by um, the companies themselves is, oh well, we don't train with that data necessarily. Uh, but 
but then people are seeing like exact copies of their code come back out when prompted the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then I think, you know, so, so leakage is this idea of like, if you copied your proprietary algorithm into chat GPT, does it, does it then get leaked out to somebody else trying to do the same thing when they ask for that? Ah, okay. And gotcha. so, so that can be very dangerous, especially for a company. And, but that also brings me to intellectual property law. So um, the other main concern I think uh, to think about is um, for generative AI images. So you give it text and it gives you an image back. Uh, you know, the courts have ruled that no one can copyright that image once it's done. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then there's also this idea that the maker of the model can be sued by using copyrighted material in the training data. And so uh, there's there's twofold problems. You might accidentally copy a copyrighted or proprietary um, piece of code, and uh, and if you if you do, just because it came from the model did not mean that it didn't originate from its training data, which was actually copyrighted somewhere. So mm-hmm. you could have like a violation um, for the, for the company on a legal standpoint. Um, but you could, you could leak your code uh, or uh, another, another thought experiment that I was, I was thinking about when discussing this earlier was um, what if uh chat GPT had, had ingested as training data, a GNU license, uh, open source project. So like in the GNU license, or correct me if I'm wrong, but there, there is a license out there that is very aggressive. So if you use this code in any of your code, your code also be, gets covered by this license, meaning that all mm. your code becomes open source automatically. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so if it copied an open source piece of code that was under that license, does that make your proprietary system now uh, uh, enforceably open source? Uh, and so I think all of these th- questions are going to be really hard to answer, uh, coming up. So, so like suggestions <laughs> that I have for people is, uh, you know, don't use the generated code as stated in your own, like don't copy pasta, um, yeah. generated code. Uh, and, um, when you're, when you're doing these things, uh, um, you know, like it, it, it's like almost like understand and rewrite, um, you know, I, I it doesn't really deal with the clean room problem of of never being aware of an answer that had been copyrighted but yeah um it it does you know give you at least a layer of abstraction uh away from it um and then also never ever copy your production code into chat gpt because then it, it probably will become training data because because the licensing is such that especially if you're using the free version if you're not paying for a product you are the product and so if you're using the free version, then your the things that you copy and paste in are probably becoming training data for the next model. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to be careful what you put in there if there's anything yeah. uh, significant. And I like what you said about um, the mob. I almost see it as like the mob is a check on it, just like any other person in the, in the yeah. mob in, in a respect uh, where you just don't take what they say. And like you said, copy pasta. And I think almost everything we've done that's, bigger than half a line of code is significantly modified from what it suggested, but it will still generate an insight that's uh, very helpful. It kind of uh, pushes us forward to the next step. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of points I want to hit. One was, um, yeah, tests. We've used it for tests before. So we say like, can you generate a test? It does a pretty good job. 
Uh, it also does a pretty good job at, hey, can you implement uh, to make this test pass, uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, what we noticed is it's almost like Google. So I guess uh, this whole time uh, with mob programming, uh, Google's been like the, the hidden fourth member of the mob if anybody starts taking on the researcher role. Yeah. And the big difference I've found with uh, using any search engine like Bing or Google or, uh, you know, AltaVista, if you're still out there, people are still using it, <laughs> or Ask Jeeves, um, is that what ChatGPT does is it gives you a very concise, specific answer with an explanation, right? And so yeah. where what we notice sometimes is when we are Googling for a solution, we might get, you know, 50 results and it's hard to know if it fits our context where with chat GPT, you can give it more and more context of like, okay, like, I think we, we, we put in like a Google type search into it for like, Hey, how do we, uh, you know, do secure file storage or something like that. Right. Um, and it gave us like five options. Like we asked for some options. We're like, well, what option is better if here's, here's our requirements. And then it narrowed it down. And then we're like, okay, that sounds good. Can you give us a code example? And then it gave us a code example, right. Where with Google, that's a little bit, uh, a different process, right? And so it feels very simple. I guess there's less to, like when I look at Google results, I'm like looking at 50 things and my eyes are trying to find the one thing that's important, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it's really funny that you mentioned that because uh, yeah. in the early days of mobbing, uh, one of my uh, co-mobbers was basically getting really mad at me because like my method of doing Google research is... I type in my question, find the first stack overflow, skip to the answer and and yeah. read what the answer was. Me too. And, yeah. and it was incredibly frustrating to them that I wouldn't read the question. Like it really, really bothered them like to the <laughs> point where I, I had some uh, very stern feedback given to me. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, it's funny because it it eliminates that whole like process of of skipping towards the answers and then working your way back if you're still interested and right. so on and so forth. Cause there's like a priority of data and it's often, you know, like find the title. If the title looks good at all, go to the bottom of the page, go find the thing yeah. go back to the top and look at it again. Um, and that whole process like quote unquote gets automated away. And I, like, just as like kind of a meta comment about, the you know the emergency mode that that uh google has gone into is like chat gpt is stealing away search traffic and google makes money off of ads because of their search and like this is a fundamental threat to google's core business model right mm. um and so uh it's really interesting because like the landscape of tech can be changed considerably right now if google cannot catch up mm -hmm. um and, you know, using Google Bard a little bit has been interesting. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, but um, it certainly still feels very early um, in comparison. But uh, they did have something up and running fairly quickly after realizing that this was a problem. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, again, like generative AI as co-modder, I think is probably here to stay um, and and will will grow. Um I think that, you know, we, we will just be able to solve a lot more problems faster uh, and define the new problems more quickly. And and so, uh, you know, I expect over time that cycle time will be brought down by these systems, um, you know, and gradually just 
grow better and better over time. But also I think that there's um, hard, hardware limitations. I think, you know, I think the, the computer hardware, uh, you know, and especially NVIDIA is probably in a good, <laughs> good position right now because everybody is going to be wanting graphic graphics cards and things like that at the moment. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Very good. And uh, I think two more notes. I'm withholding all my comments on Copilot because I think that'll make a good next episode. But because yeah. um, we started, what was funny is we, uh, uh, someone in our mob went on a vacation and then they came back and we're like, hi, we've added two more robots to our mob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's but, like, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. But um, I was talking to a, a friend and yeah. uh, and his wife went on vacation. And while she was on vacation, he bought a robot vacuum and a robot mop and a bunch of other stuff. And when she came back, he's like, oh, I have a bunch of robots doing all that stuff. <laughs> so so it was, uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of that. But uh, That's funny. Yeah. So on, uh, I have one serious set of notes and then a couple lighter notes. And then uh, I think that's the end of my thoughts on chat GPT. But on the serious side, an interesting experiment was, uh, you know, we've been working on some uh, unit tests and uh, I've been kind of having a suggestion for a while and it, the mob wasn't really into it. And that's fine. You know, that's good. But what we did was someone had the idea. They told chat GPT, chat GPT, you're an extreme programmer. And what would you do with this code? Awesome. And what was fascinating is the suggestions that came back were really good. It was like, it gave five suggestions and I was just like, wow, what great ideas, you know? And like, I think the <laughs> third one was like what I've been saying for a while. <laughs> and, uh, it had some great refactorings in there and, uh, uh, thing and it gave us a good checklist of things to do to improve the code. So I thought that was pretty cool that you could like give it a new identity and then ask it to, uh, look at the code that way. Um, and then on the lighter side, um, we've been using it to generate Git commit messages. I think uh, you, you might have uh, planted the seed, Chris. And so, uh, so you know, you know, some of our uh, Git commit messages are, okay, you are Batman. How would you do this Git commit message? And it's like extracted the duplicate spinner verification code and brought it to justice. The code can breathe easier, free from the grip of redundancy. Gotham is safe once more, you know? And so it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of, that's been pretty fun. And nice. uh, there was another group that we were looking for help from and they weren't responding. And so we asked, we gave it like a humongous chunk, a very cryptic error code. And we said, can you make a song about this in the <laughs> style of a band of the person we were trying to reach and that, that we knew that they would recognize. And then they laughed and then they responded to our question. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, nice. hey, you know, so using the lighter side of it, it's pretty good at jokes, um, but it, as it warns, it can get offensive. So yeah. it, it tries to stay away from that. But uh, uh, so in that, now when I come downstairs from working remotely, sometimes the kids will ask, so what did the robot say today, dad? You know, yeah. and so yeah, that's, uh, I'll give them some examples. But uh, I don't know, anything else on chat GPT before we close this one out? Yeah, no, uh, one, one other one other recommendation that that whole uh, kind of segue reminded me of was um, uh, I, I had sent a message to the department and they're like, oh, this doesn't sound like you. So then I was like, and it was from ChatGPT. I was like, oh, that's obvious. So I just said, okay, go ahead and add 5% spelling mistakes to what it did. And I reposted it and they're like, oh, that's good. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think uh, mo modifying things that way has... has uh, uh, it was surprisingly effective at understanding what 5% spelling errors look like. Yes. Um, <laughs> and 
but yeah, I, I mean, it, I, I think it's fun. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a futurist as it were, and uh, yeah. I have a deep interest in machine learning in general anyway, but uh, yeah, this, this is exciting times. I, I, I've, I've also heard a lot of people come back and and be worried about what this means. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's the same thing as every tool. It can be a tool. It can be a weapon. Uh, it will, um, tools make people more effective and faster at what they do. Um, and, uh, and therefore like the, the work landscape changes because of that. And so, um, you, you shouldn't fear the new technology. You should seek to understand it, uh, and, um, and get involved in what it means to use that technology. Well, um, you know, so there, there might be extreme programming, there might be extreme generative AI prompting, uh, in, in the near future as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, and it did <laughs> you asked it to make a uh, a mom mentality episode, right? Yep. Yep. Script, and it took something that I said recently and put that into the script that I said online somewhere in one yep. of our videos, and then I shared that with my wife, and she was kind of blown away. She's like, "Oh, that's a little scary." <laughs> yeah. Well, also it it pulled the full names of former guests out of the transcripts and then used them, and some of those happened to be our coworkers as well. So like. It was very shocking, like, oh, it it pulled like this really relevant concrete data yeah. out of its memory store somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so the weights, uh, you know, and it's pretty interesting. So, it, you know, there's no access, no public access to any of this uh, um, to the chat GPT stuff because that's all closed. But but Llama is an open source model and it's kind of the same thing. And um, if you look at the stable diffusion model, it's four gigs. So that's that's for creating AI generated images. And then and then Llama is 31 gigs just for the model. So those are all like neural network weights. And that's like mm -hmm. that's kind of mind blowing to me. Um, so anyway, I love nice. it. This is all super interesting and will change. I, I'm a big like, you know, chaos fan if no one's noticed that already. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, uh... Yeah, we'll pick up uh, part two of this uh, sometime soon. And uh, to everyone, uh, what's been your experience? I, I've seen a few posts online about people. Uh, I think there was one group at a pub uh, having it uh, chat GPT generate uh, production code from their tests or something. And so, yeah, please share your experiences, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and more. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think about this. What are your thoughts? Um, is it a member of your mob uh, and how has it helped or is it not because of certain experiences you had and we'd love to hear it. Uh, please like and subscribe and share and uh, we'll see you all next time. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye everybody.